0: Worried about? Are you a church that is studying God's word? Verse forty-two. When we get verse forty-two it says, and they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's prayer, Lord's supper and prayers. That's the Amplified version. And so they devoted themselves to learning about God's word on their own. This is, a church doesn't have churches on Sunday. This is the thing. Many of our churches are only open five hours a week. That ain't a part-time job. And, and as a pastor, I, I have to look at, because I'm also what we call bivocational. That means you got another job. On my other job, I know I have to work 40 hours. If I don't work 40 hours, they're going to what? Cut my pay. What? They're going to fire me. But what we do for the Lord, we think we did five hours. That was great. But we give to the world 40 hours or more. And I know I get my more. Anybody else get more than 40? Somebody get more than 40? You thinking about your job? You get more than forty. Some of us think about a job at night. We get more than forty. Some of us get in a car. You get more than forty. You ain't working a forty-hour job. Most of us, many of us who said, "Well, I don't have a job. I'm just raising my kids." You are also working, right? You are raising your children. That is a full-time job, too. Amen. So you are thinking about your kids. But when we come to God's business. Church is about at maximum Sunday three hours. We got Sundays, and I'm, I'm putting Sunday school with that. We got our discipleship on Tuesdays or Wednesdays in many of our churches. That's about another hour. Maybe, and that's just the basis, right? And maybe you have another, like, Friday event. Ain't no time are we coming to the 20-hour mark. We're not even part-time for God. We say we have done five hours. That's enough. And God is saying, how you gotten your words this week? See, many times we're waiting on the preacher to say, Open your Bible. We are supposed to individually study to show ourselves approved. We should be individually getting in our word every day. Right now we have. a a reading series where we're going through the book of Matthew. And and over the next four years, we're going to read through the whole entire Bible. Because I didn't want us to rush through. We could do the whole one year, but I didn't want to rush us through. I want us to know where our books are. I want us to be reading. Because this is the thing. We have to get in the Word. Too many times we have brothers and sisters who are in churches who the only time with the Lord is on Sunday morning. And the only time opening the Bible, if they have that Bible with them, is when a preacher's talking. If that, think about this: How many? Who, who cooks in here? Who, who's a cooker? Who cooks? Uh, Alexa, you cook? Alexa, if you only cooked once a year, you think you you think you'd be pretty good? No. If you absolutely not once a year. Someone like I, I do that on Thanksgiving. No, they holding their tongue. If, if you only cook once a month, you think you top stuff? Now, now look at somebody like Bobby Flay. I, I like me some Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay cooking every day. He cooking about two, three times a day. When you go into the restaurant, do you think that chef is only cooking uh, once a month? No. He's having to come in there and cook it. Even you go to Waffle House, that brother who's doing the, the hash browns and the eggs and flipping, he's cooking every day. Why is he doing that? He is sharpening himself to what? To get better at his, what? at his work. We have to sharpen ourselves daily in our relationship. Think about this. if Beverly, if you who are married to Vern only saw Vern once a month, how would that relationship be? If you only saw burn once a week, and after that once a week, it was only for five hours a week, how would that relationship be? And in that five hours is half-hearted anyway, how would that be? You'll struggle. We, that's what we are in our relationship with Christ. We are many times doing five hours a week, if that, if that, five hours a week, and we come to church and you better come and entertain me. God is saying the church place should not be a place of an entertainment venue or even a social network. It should be a place where you have a family and you're growing together. So spending time with God is more than five hours a week. So we must be devoted on our own. Then we must be devoted to learning one another. What does that mean? Many of us, many times this is what we do. We come to church, we don't want to talk to anybody. We we coming in there and um come back. We we come into church and, and, and we come in there and we're not learning one another. Uh and we all do it right, because we are conditioned that especially in this day and time. Facebook is how many of us touch one another. You don't know anybody on Facebook? You really don't know them. You know, you might have caught they might have did a friend invite. You don't really know that person on Facebook. Could you really ask them for a couple dollars? Do you know what makes their, bu- their uh, buttons push? If only you met them on Facebook. Well, let's, go, let's go to work. Many of us have work friends. Work friends mean we will not talk outside of the job. We'll only talk here. Because I'm using you to help me get through the day. Amen? I'm keeping it real. Can't keep it real in the morning. We have work friends. And then we have church friends. Church friends is, praise the Lord, it's, it's good to see your sister. good to see you. Praise the Lord. Let's, we can hold hands today. We all right. Amen. But if I had a struggle on Monday, well, sister, you might not need to call me. You should have called me during the five hours or three hours on Sunday. See, that's called a church friend. That's not what God is calling us to be. He's calling us, I want you to know Kendra and what's pushing her and what, what motivates her what is passionate about, what makes her sad, I want you to know her. Why? Because we're gonna spend the rest of our eternal lives together. This is the other thing, we are family. We are family. It makes no sense for me not to know what my sister Teresa is like. I know when I need to back off, or I can hear in the tone, oh, let me step, let me step back. And she knows the same. It makes no sense if I didn't know my children. God wants us to have that same family atmosphere. He doesn't want church just to be, you can have a thousand people, but those thousand people are nothing but numbers. Then God said, I don't even want to honor that. I want us to be family. So we have to know one another. We got to get in our word. Then we got to make church service priority. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? And I know some of my people who I want to really tell us to are not here. But we got to get up in church. We can't come at eleven o'clock. If church starts at 1030, we need to get here at 1030. Then you know we got Sunday school. Sunday school starts at 9.30. We need to get in the word. We need to learn one another. And then we need to be in the building. Many times we wanna get in the building. It might be, you know, sometimes I see people come in ten minutes. I say I'll give you another five. That way, you're like, man, he gone over. Because I'm trying to give them another five minutes. Because they just came in. But this is what I'm trying to, this is what I want them to know. Come at 10.30. you miss all this good worship. Come at 10.30. Come at 9.30 where discipleship is occurring. Bring your children at 9.30 where they are getting discipled. We have many of our children who have questions who need to be sitting under and learning about what's going on and then come on Tuesday nights. Don't just choose Sunday morning or Tuesday. Come on Tuesday nights and learn some more about God's Word at 6.30. Let's get in the Word. Let's get together. The more time we spend together, the stronger we will be the more greater family we will be, but the less time we spend together, the more fractions that happen. We got to stop playing, church. That's gonna be a sermon in a couple weeks, but we got to stop playing. God is saying, Why are we playing? God is asking us for real, authentic relationships relationship with Him, relationship with one another, relationship with this church. He wants real, authentic, not superficial relationships. There's going to be some times we're going to have to get one another face in love. How you going to tell me something when you don't even know me? And I'm being so honest with you. We have to get to that point. So when we get to that point, then we can talk about, we made all these things a habit, then we can get to talk about, we must see a church that values people. We must see a church that values people. Now, when you get in verse 42, it says, and, and and we already have read that, and the next verse says, And all who believe, who had heard, I heard, boy, it's been a long day, I'm, I'm on vacation, I really don't want to go work tomorrow. To trust in and rely on Jesus Christ were you united and together they they had everything in common. Next. And they sold their possessions, both land property and movable property, and distributed the price among all, according as any had need. And day after day they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. In their homes they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of the food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. So God is saying, the key word here is they shared. See, you should see a church that is in love with God and saying, I am in God's word and now I value people. See, that's why our motto is your victory in Christ matters here. You, you are not a number. I'm not trying to like, oh, okay, good, we got a hundred. We got this. We got that. We, you know, we have all this. And, and your tithe, I want you to always know, your tithe. Uh, I'm glad you give, but your tithe is not why I, 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 I shake your hand. I'm not like, oh, thank you, sister. It's good to see y'all. You gave $10 a day. And you're never going to see a $10 line or a $100 line here. You ain't gonna never going to see that. And you ain't going to see them bring the arm Oh, oh we're going to have another uh, offering uh, uh, for the youth. Well, you're not going to even see that. you never going to see all those things. Why? Because I value you. I don't value your money. I don't value even the time you put in. I don't value all. I value you. I value you where you are. And we have to value one another where we are. And pray to God that we surrender our lives so we can grow from that place even more. God is saying, do you value? We have to uh, validate one another. Validate one another's worth. You ever talk to somebody... And they're arguing with you. And they're not hearing anything you're saying. You're saying, I like red. Red is terrible. I'm red is the devil. They're not trying to value. They're not trying to validate how you feel. If you feel a certain way to empathize with somebody, you've got to validate their standpoint. It doesn't mean you have to always accept it. But you got to validate. You've got to make that person feel special. We have to validate one another. Then we have to appreciate one another. Sometimes we will take one another for granted. You know, I could say, "Well, Seanai is going to be here, and Beverly's going to be here, and, and Kelly they'll be here and sing." I have to appreciate what they bring to the service. I have to appreciate. I could say, "Well, I know the teachers will be here." I have to appreciate what they're going to do. You can. We can even sometimes stop evaluating or appreciating our children. We have to appreciate what our children bring. We have to love one another. Now, what does that mean? Love, God's love is unconditional. I can't just love Crystal when she wears uh, black. I can't love Crystal when she's going to put an orphan plate. I got to love Crystal no matter what. If Crystal should cuss me out today, I still got to love her. See, sometimes we want to conditional love one another. And we got to get to a point where you know what? I'm not going to break away from you. Sometimes you got to love somebody more when they're in the hell pit of life than you ever could if, if when they were having the focus. Because when we all hellish, it's, it's hard to be loved. But we need that love, especially in that time. We have to love one another. Then we have to be in unity. See, we have to protect the unity. Too many times we see churches split apart over silly stuff. We, got, we had a vote on red carpet. Now I wanted black carpet. I'm leaving this church. Y'all don't listen to me. See, it sounds silly, don't it? But churches every day, where pastor, he, he didn't put some, some up, he ain't appreciate me. I'm leaving. God is saying, we got to protect our unity. With unity comes communication. We got to talk to one another. If you got a problem, too many times we would leave a church and, and nobody know you left, Or they don't know why you left. Now, on the other end, we got to be listeners, right? If you going to communicate, I got to listen. I can't keep running my mouth while you're talking. So we have to evaluate. We have to validate one another. We got to appreciate. We got to love one another. We got to protect the unity. Then we got to edify. Well, what does that mean? We got to build one another up. The world itself is breaking us down every day. Satan is on his job. He worked more than a 40-hour week. I don't know about y'all. He worked more than a 40-hour week. He does not take Christmas off. He was very active on New Year's Eve. He was down at Times Square. Folks was getting lit. He was on his job. He was downtown. He was inside Dallas. He was at Roseland. He He was trying to get out of everybody's house. He was moving around. So, if he's trying to break me down, tear me down, the world is trying to break me down, tear me down. I got other people who are hating on me. I need a church family who's going to help lift me up. I need a church family when I fall down, they're going to help pick me up. I don't need to come into a church where everybody, oh, did you see what she got on? Mm-mm-mm, look at her. I don't need a church family go over here you know, you know that's, you know that's uh, the, that child got different dad than that child. Mm-mm, look how she living. Oh, oh, oh! I don't know. You see, they got some bad kids. That's not the edification. The edification is this. You see my children running the Help me. Meantime, we need help. We need help. And I appreciate. I, I believe in this church. We will get with our children. Hey, 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 hey! Sit down. Be quiet. Let's. Take the note. We get with our children here. We try to. But we have to get in a mindset where we gotta edify one another. We we cannot be gossiping about one another. We cannot be tearing one another down. We can't be talking about one another. We can't get on Facebook and get on the wall and like I wish you know and do some indirect stuff. I wish I could find leadership who loved. Well what does that mean? You know, and we I'm not saying that's having that victory. I'm saying that happens, right? We we will do indirect stuff and direct stuff. God is saying we need to get to a point where we need to edify one another. Now all that, the validation, the appreciation, the love, the unity, the edification, all equals out to value. We have to value one another. Then we get into the next one. Now y'all help pass. <laughs> Thank you, Cornelia. Cause I, I I got nervous with the word. I listened to the word many times. I'm like, okay, and I, I'm saying it at the house, and I'm practicing, and I even got it spelled out here to help me. That's not to help y'all help me. And, and the thing about it, cornea, cornea means fellowship. Now, times we believe fellowship is this: we got potluck dinner, we got we got the uh uh we got the little fish fry. We got uh, barbecue going. We got a little Christmas party. You know, that's fellowship. God's saying fellowship is deeper than that. Because, see, that's a party. See, many of us have been to the party. We've been to the family reunion. That was a party. But we ain't really been reunion. We just been to the family party, really. God is saying fellowship in this cornelia really means that we are to be a sharer a companion, a partaker, and a participant in someone's life. You see, it is not enough for us to have true fellowship to have pot love. I got to be a partaker in your life, and you need to be a partaker in my life. You need to share in my pain, and I need to share in your pain. You need to share in my praise, and I need to share in your praise. We have to be a participant with one another. God is asking for us to have a deeper fellowship. See, sometimes we see it even in our own family, don't we? That we don't even know one another. We get together for Christmas and New Year's and Mother's Day and all this other stuff, but we are not partaking in one another's pain. We're like, oh, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. And sometimes we see as a family we only get together at the funeral. We are not a partaker or a participant in our present life. God is asking, am I going to participate in Sister Deborah's life? God is asking me, am I going to participate in Sister Diane's life? Am I going to share in your grief? Am I going to share in your praise? But this is the other thing. It's not just a pastor's job to share. It's all of us. All of us are supposed to be this. I should feel comfortable enough to share with Alexia as I do with Sister, Sister Daniels. We gotta get to that point. We gotta get these real bonds built. We have to be ready to agree, to disagree at times, and sometimes you will have to fuss it out. But don't let, don't let the bed, don't, don't hit the bed yet until you fuss it all the way out. Don't go to bed angry. But sometimes we gotta fuss it out. We got to pray it out. We got to praise it out. We got to shout it out. But we, at the end of the day, have to stay unified. We have to have true fellowship. So I love the potlucks, as you can see. But I want our church to grow beyond the potluck, beyond the fish fry, beyond the bounce house. I want us to be partakers in one another's life. Until we get to there, we will never grow truly. We can grow in numbers, but are we a true church that is giving true honor to God? God is saying He ain't mad with the mega churches. He's mad even with the small church when we don't partake in one another's life. When you got to click over here and you got to click over here, do you not understand we all one click? We are God's click. And that's a whole church body. We're not the victory click. Even though you that we would walk around. We had little, little, like little, little gangs with the, the children. Like they were going, like I, I was saying, like beat it. No, anyway. Passes humor. We have to be partakers. So does this mean I got to sell my possessions? Passing? No. <laughs> No, it don't, It doesn't mean that. Why did they sell one of their possessions? They sold the possessions that they had so that all the needs were met within their community. See, there should be no one in need in this church if we all are partakers of one another. See, that's what we had to get to. There should be no one who's saying, Pastor, I'm hungry. My refrigerator is totally empty. And I'm saying, tell- ooh, that's sad, sister. So, so. Well, let's pray about it. God is saying, how you want to tell somebody about the word of God when you won't even give them enough food to give to them? God is asking us to get real. See, he's tired of the five-hour church. He wants a real church. He wants a church that is very involved in the daily lives of his people. And when will we be there? Victory must be there. If someone is hungry, if someone is in need, it is our job, our job. It ain't their job. It's our job. We have pushed everything else on everybody. We have put the health care on, on the government. We put how to feed people on the government. We do, you, do you not understand? We used to do this as a church. Purchasing in hospital started by the church. Baylor started by the church. Y'all, we all let go to that, uh, those hospitals and sell Parkland. Huh? I've been to Parkland. I was born in Parkland. That's a government hospital, Started by the government. Jeff K. went to Parkland. Praise the Lord. Oh, my Lord. What if he had went to Baylor? He might have made it. We don't know. But at the church hospital, Methodist included, that was started by the church. Our colleges, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, started by the church. We started these things, and what we done, we gave, we gave away the responsibility. God is saying, I'm asking you to come back in the arena, come back in the fight, and fight for my people, fight for my community, take back the territory from Satan. That's why this church is here today. We are taking back the territory that Satan said he claimed. We said we are claiming every foot we step for the Lord God Almighty. That's what we are about and must be about. So we get from that, and then we we have to get to this one mind. Now what does that mean? See, a lot of times when we hear one mind, we think, is this a cult? (laughs) I I had to dig deep into my scripture, oh, hold on now. I don't want to see no cult stuff up here. What this really means: We must be of one mind. We must be, in verse 46, We must be on one mind that we are singly focused on serving God and serving one another. Jesus said, love God and to love your neighbors. Those are the two greatest commandments. Love your God and love one another. We got to be on that focus. See, it's easy to then be a partaker, right? If I have a focus, we all focus on loving God, giving God honor, then my, if my next focus is then on what? If my next focus is on serving one another, then it's easy to be a partaker within your family. It's easy to do that. So to be a victorious church means that we must sit around and share one another's lives. We must talk about our joys and our pains, our struggles and our triumphs. We must bear one another's burdens and celebrate one another. We must cry with one another and we can pray with one another. We must then see a church that's worshiping God with passion. Worshiping God with passion. Now what does that mean? How can I worship? We worship through prayer. We must be united in prayer. That's why we do the Daniel Fast. We'll talk about that later. We, we do it through awe. We must be still and know He is God. And then we do it through music. Paul and Silas, David and, and Psalms. Now, let's get to some rules in worship. There's just a couple, it's not really real rules. Express yourself. Now, let's get real victory. Many of us have been in churches where we we've been uh in a concert style, you know, where we can sit back and they supposed to, you know, perform for us. Now you supposed to get up there, sing, I went get your Yolanda Adams on. Get your kirk on. You know, you supposed to entertain me, maybe feel y'all good church. He was dancing, and he did the, you know, he did everything. And the girl said, whoo. And then people are just clapping like yes, Lord. Ooh. Get yes, loud! come on, You And we just like, loud. We just tore it up. And God is saying, but I want you to express yourself. It's not their job to entertain you. It's their job to lead you in worship. But it's your job to worship. It's not your job just to sit there and look at them. It's your job to worship. It's all right to stand up Lift your hands. If you want to get on the floor and kneel down, that's all right. If you want to clap your hands, that's all right. Stay on beat. It's all right. But we got to get in worship. Sometimes I see my praise team here. And they're like, come on, clap your hands. And they really beg you, come on, y'all, please. <laughs> come on. You know the music good. And y'all looking at them, oh, praise the Lord. they singing good. They saying sing with me. I'm not singing at you. I'm singing with you. We have to get passionate about worshiping God. It is not. Don't worry about if you're off key. Worry about are you focused on God? Some of us, I know. Uh, I won't point anybody out, but I know some folk when they sing, their voice like ah. You know, they gonna hit the a little key. And I know Pastor can't sing. Pastor, ooh, it ain't going to be right. But I will tell you, I'm going to worship God because I know what he did for me. I'm not going to let with short expectations hold me back from the expectation of what God wants me to be. See, too many times we hold back because we're scared about what other people think. But we don't step forward in what God is telling us to do. God is saying, don't worry about your neighbor and what they think about you. Worry about what I'm telling you to do. Worship me. Worship me because you knew what you came from. Worship me because you know what you're in. Worship me because you know what I can do in your life. Worship me. So we got to express ourselves. Then we got to humble ourselves and don't be judgmental. What you mean? See, sometimes we get into worship, and we like, you know, you know, I, I was a, <laughs> a alto in in high school. <laughs> I was in the glee club, and I did these things. So. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, he's good. You know, we'll get judgmental. Oh, don't you sing, baby? It's all right. Sing a little lower. And we'll get judgmental, and we'll lift ourselves up in worship. We'll get up here, and we want to be. And that's all right to lift your hands, but what's your motivation to lift your hands? Are you lifting your hands for God's glory, or are you lifting your hands for your glory? Some of us are the big time clappers, because we want everybody to know we were clapping. Are you clapping for the Lord, or are you clapping for yourself? God wants to know, you got to check yourself and your motivation. He wants you to lift your hands for Him, not for yourself. Some of us have seen people who are only sitting in front row churches, because they got to be seen. Some of us say, so I, I've been in pulpits where you better not get in the uh, center of the pulpit. You better get on the side because do you know what? Huh, I'm here today. Praise the Lord. And we make the focus about that person. Well, i am sat in pulpits where everybody got to stand up because the pastor has entered the building. And now everybody can sit down because the pastor has sat down. And God is saying, it ain't about the pastor. And I told you and I our you. there's no such thing as a reverend. Because then you will not find that issue to any man in the Bible. A reverend has only been referred to in the Bible to God. We made that up. Hey, reverend so-and-so, I ain't reverend. I'm some jacked up mess. I'm some jacked up mess. If you really know all my mess, you'll be like, oh, Lord, for real, you're preaching? <laughs> See, don't put me on a pedestal. And I should not put myself on a pedestal. I should accept my responsibilities of what I have, but I'm as low down as you. Trying to struggle as high as you. Worshipping the same perfect, uh, grace filled, merciful God that you serve. So we gotta humble ourselves. Then last, we gotta make it a happen out of the event. Some of us, some of us got people in our family who are CME members. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. I'm going to be there, mama. He's saying it needs to be a habit. And it can't be the event of I'm here because so-and-so is here. I'm here because this is this day. No, we need to make our worship a habit. It cannot also be an event when we fall down on our knees and we lost everything. We have to worship God when things are good, when things are middle of the road, and when things are going south. We need to worship God at all times. Now, how many times when we go back in our sermon series that we see when we start worshiping God. Worship means you have full surrender. That God starts working a magnificent work in our life. We can worship God through our offering. We worship God through our service. We worship God in what we say to one another. We worship God in how we sing. We worship God in how we listen. We worship God in taking notes. We worship God and even being in this place. We worship God even in the car. When we drive down Central and somebody cut you off, you can go boop, boop, boop. Or you can like praise the Lord. Because it wasn't for Jesus. <laughs> I tell you what, you might not be on the road. Praise the Lord. You might have to worship like that on Central, right, Beverly. You might have to worship like that. And it's all right. God wants us to be real and authentic. So these are the three characteristics. A church should be a place where first the word is being taught and it is being passionately observed and followed and studied. Then we should be a place where you see people are being valued and then it should be a place where worship. So let us, victory, become that church that changes the city. See, too many times. We, we don't understand. We must be a church that breaks every chain in the name of Jesus. See, to break the chains, to break every chain in the name of Jesus means this. That I first believe there is power in the name. I believe there's power in Jesus. I believe there's power that the same Jesus that was up there healing the blind, healing the sick, It's the same Jesus who's advocating for me and to his father. That same Jesus told us He sent his Holy Spirit to be my comforter, to be my guide. That same Jesus. I got to believe there's power in his name. Some of us have been locked in chains of racism. Some of us have been locked in chains of brokenness. Some of us have been locked in chains of debt. I got debt on me. But God says, I'm going to give you a job to sustain you. I'm going to give you a job to help you out. Some of us have been in some chains of generational cycles where mama was a single mama. Grandmama, for a single mama, and now I am. But God is calling us to start breaking the chains of the generational addictions on us. God has said some of us have been in some alcoholism. Some of us have been in some drug-infested areas. Some of us have been in the liquor store even on New Year's Eve. And God is saying, I want to break some chains. Yes, I do hit an army. And do you understand? I got an angel that's saying, brother, time to step it up. I'm going to be your guardian angel, but you need to step it up. I got a Holy Spirit that is one of the third parts of the, tr- the Trinity that say, I'm here. I am here in your temple. See, my body is nothing but a temple for the Lord. What I see, what I hear, who I talk to, how I talk to them, what I eat, I'm all for me trying to glorify the Lord. I ain't always done that, church. I've been struggling at times, and God is saying, it's time for us to step it up. See, Satan has been on me. He's been on my family. I've been in some spiritual warfare. But I know God's saying, I still got an army present. I still got an army present who's fighting for you. We don't always see the battle in front of our eyes. But sometimes we can hear the whoosh. And hear that whoosh. Because we know, Satan's been throwing arrows at you. He's been attacking you. He's been attacking your mind. He wants you to give up. And God is saying, can you hear it? Can you hear it? It's me in your life. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? It's me in your life. Can you see it? I've been delivering you from this and from that. Can you see me? When that man was bidding on you, I'm the one that gave you an out. I gave you an out. When, when the job said I was letting you go, I was the one that sustained you. I was Jehovah Jireh, your provider. When there was no one, your mama wouldn't even turn on her phone so you could talk to her. I was the one you screamed out to, Lord, please save me. Can you hear it? It's me in your life. The chains are falling today. The chains are falling. Sing this praise. The chains are falling today. If anybody wants to come and accept Jesus Christ as their present Savior, today is the day to come on down. Strike 2014, brand new. And